0: Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor! Missing artifacts. The brick sent him to look into possible theft.
1: Hardly a job for a unit.
0: The third Doctor Adventures.
1: Hello. Is anyone there? Can you hear me? Over? Is that the Doctor? Hostiles detected. You're looking very smart.
0: The Doctor won't let anything happen to us. Really, he won't.
1: Joe? Can you hear me? What's happening?
0: Joe! Dozens of stone coffins. Notification. A spacecraft is approaching docking bay three.
1: This should only take a few moments. We'll have to compensate for the lack of temporal synchromesh, of course. It's just like driving a car in manual rather than automatic.
0: Doctor! I don't mean to sound critical, but that's space on the other side of those doors, isn't it? Empty space.
1: Why not? Oh, there's another stone robot.
2: Three moons and an asteroid belt—far too much
1: to ask. Language assimilated. <gasps> what in heavens? Name are those things. Those, Mike, are ato eels. They're huge. Very dangerous. That's what the first one said. I think we should get out of here before it attacks us too. You may enter
0: docking bay.
1: Huh? According to this. The Earth Empire has arranged a political marriage between the two leaders. Please notify Lady Guerlain that our useless and pointless security consultant has arrived.
0: Acknowledged. Excuse me! Woman
2: with reputation in ruins coming through! Yes, this is Captain Yates. Uh, put me through to the Brigadier, would you? The whole future of this sector of the galaxy is at stake. <laughs> Organic life forms
1: detected! The Delphons? Let's get going. There's no present like the times there
0: finish recreating an era
1: the stories from the Vortex. I'm Matthew Kressel and I'm joined as always by the one and only Mary Lang. Hello. And by the man from the land down under, Robert Haynes.
2: Guten Morgen, guten Abend, guten Tag.
1: Now as you may have guessed from Robert's attempts at German there, we're going to be looking at a couple of stories with a certain German influence featuring probably one of the most unique companions to feature in Doctor Who in any medium and that would be Elizabeth Klein, played by Tracy Childs. So, we're going to be a, the listeners to our last episode now. We'll be looking at her first four appearances in Big Finish, kicking off with the October 2001 main range release, Colbits.
2: You see? There's nothing to worry about. Ace, we don't know what's out there. It's a courtyard. Big buildings all around us. Some grass over there. I can't make out much. It's getting dark.
1: I've just realised where we are, Ace. What's the problem? Not trying to explain. Come on. But
2: we haven't even been shot at yet.
1: It's only a matter of time, I assure you. Run! Ah! You are Britishers? Yeah, that's right.
2: Oh, Nazis again. I can't stand Nazis.
1: You will consider yourself my prisoners. For you, the war is over. It's a girl, isn't it? It can't be. Are you sure? It well, jolly well is, you know. It's a girl. Hey, Kurtz, found yourself a girlfriend. Ha, ha, ha. We will learn everything about you in time for a
0: ace, starting with your real name.
2: I suppose you're going to get your jack-booted friend here to make me talk,
1: are you? Well, don't bother. It is pointless trying to keep your secrets from us. We shall learn them all eventually. No concern is appreciated, Captain, but unnecessary. This is called its cold castle, right? There must be 101 ways to escape from here. That's what it's famous for.
2: Famous? <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, if you know as much as you claim, then you'll know that this is the escapers' prison. Right! I mean, it's where they put those officers who've escaped from other camps. This is the most secure prison in
1: Germany. Colditz was is a fairly early in the main range. It's like story number 25, which is even more remarkable for us to go back and look at since we're actually quickly approaching story number 200 now. I think 199 is about to be released. So this is still fairly early days for Big Finish. In the acting and stuff, you can't really tell it because I think Big Finish, even from its earliest days, has had a very strong uh, run of actors through each of these stories and all showing off very good talent. Where I think it is most obvious that this is a story from early on in Big Finish's time is in the sound design, which apparently this was the only story that was done by the particular people who did the sound design and music for this one. And listening to it, I don't think it's difficult to see why. Where well, find it, right? I would
0: say that there were times when the music overpowered the uh, dialogue. Oh yes. When I was having trouble, you know, discerning <laughs> what people were saying because the 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 triumphant music or you the know the German music, yes. music would be so in the forefront. Right. Yeah, that- it's a, that's my only complaint. But otherwise, yeah, I did like the um the music in it um yeah. and i found at times the um the constant echo um i i know they're in a castle but i can't imagine
1: yes. every room yeah. sounded that echo right <laughs> there it's, should be some that did not it's like all of the cells yeah. the courtyards the corridors everything's yeah. echoey and the only place where it's not echoey is when they sit down in to to eat and sort of in the mess
0: yeah
1: yeah. 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> but i mean we're we're picking on something that uh it wasn't too noticeable for me. It yeah, it didn't detract from it that much. It no. just a you know, little little thoughts would go through my mind, like I wish the music would turn down, or um, I can't imagine every room is echoing in this castle. But yeah,
2: yeah. but
0: it, this it's is such it. a strong story that, and such excellent acting that um, that kind of over you know o- overpowers the the little bit of hmm. difficulty that I have.
1: Yeah. Well, the reason I, the reason I mentioned it is that I. Um, We were talking before we started recording about the story's reputation and talking about it in um, New Audio Adventures, the inside story the book from 2003 that's sadly out of print, um, in that reading the section of it where Steve Lines, who wrote this, in fact talked about he was disappointed with the way the story turned out. And I got curious while we were sitting here talking before we started recording and digging up some of the reviews. And a lot of the reviews from 2001, 2002, right when this was released, Talk about the sound design a lot. It's like nobody could really focus on the story itself at the expense of the sound design. Oh. And the music especially, which I do have to agree with you, Mary. I know this is still early days for Big Finish when they were still trying to really kind of emulate the TV eras from there. And of course yeah. the McCoy era is in some places infamous for kef mccullough music scores that drowned out everything yes. else going on around it that were <laughs> completely inappropriate and yeah. we've heard andrew Cartmell at a couple of conventions talk about that fact so that kind of came to my mind listening to it as well the sort of there's a there's a particular piece of music early on i think in the first episode when they're captured or it might be when gower and ace are talking about all the escape attempts and whatnot and the music cue is not only loud but it just goes on for too long after the scene is over it's like we oh, don't yeah. actually want to transition to the next theme without playing out the complete <laughs> music key. We, we like this
0: music and we're going to play it to the end. Yeah.
1: But reading it in um, New Audio Adventures, The Inside Story, there's a conversation here between Gary Russell, who was the executive producer at the time, and Nicholas Briggs. And where Gary Russell is like, it's not that the sound design's that bad, but Nick Briggs goes, no, it's terrible.
0: Um, and it's interesting
1: when we were in chicago in november and somebody was asking the question about places to start and somebody from the audience and they were taking suggestions from the audience about places where to start and somebody shouted out cold and nick briggs sort of had this weird look on his face like really you're going to suggest that one (laughs)
0: yeah yeah
1: well, I mean, it is a
0: strong story, well acted and all that. So it might not yeah, be a bad place to start. Right.
1: And I think it's one of those things maybe in the minds of certain people and maybe the story's legacy is in the minds of certain people, the sound design, which is, as we've talked about a bit, something's not right about it. It's
2: I, to tell you the truth though, Matthew, I didn't really notice anything. I mean, it just apart from, yeah, the echoey can get a bit unnerving because it's so often but also you know a bit too bombastic at times right so that you can't really understand what people are saying apart from that, i didn't really notice anything so i don't know really what they're going on about
1: of course we're looking at the story from a perspective of almost 12 years on in fact if our release dates work out this episode will be out on the 12th anniversary of when the story was actually recorded um mm. so i think you know and also we're looking at reviews from 12 years ago when there was no other doctor who out there with the exception of mm. the novels and, and the comic strip in the magazine so many people were maybe a bit more focused on nitpicking as it were yeah um because yeah. I, I do happen to as
2: doctor who fans do yeah
1: well it's <laughs> doctor who fans not being nitpicky um <laughs> and for some reason i can think of as matthew sweet's quote from the invasion of the dinosaurs making a documentary it's like dr who fans are more bothered by not so special effects than the average person it's like we cringe harder than normal people
2: oh yes yes um, okay, the story always.
1: itself and the performances are quite good i think that part of the problem of coming back to the story is the fact that we know Klein's in it and we know who Klein mm-hmm. is already so it's, it's very difficult to come to it from i guess the same perspective that people would have in 2001 fresh. and coming to it completely well it was fresh, fresh
2: to me when i first listened to it Matthew. well same
1: here when i heard it in I believe it was, because I didn't know. I I knew it was a Seventh Doctor story. I knew from the title it was going to be set at it I didn't know any of the other stuff going into it, so it was all a big surprise to me when all this started going down. And of course, the introduction of Tracy Child as Klein. Another interesting fact from the Inside Story book is that Klein wasn't supposed to be a woman to begin with. It was obviously going to be a man, and they felt that that was a bit more believable. And you think about the way the character kind of waltzes in and sort of takes mm. charge, I guess. Yeah,
0: well, she is kind of an anomaly. Uh, 1944, I yes. wouldn't think that a woman would be, um, you know, in a position similar to this. Uh, it, would, it would be a man. So I, I think that it throws you off, you know, as to the time setting, because it took me a while to, uh, when I first heard it. Um, and she was a part of it. I had to keep reminding myself this is 1944 right. um, because mm-hmm. it seemed too modern for this kind of character to be in charge as she yeah. was.
1: Though it must be said the Nazis were big on, on uh, what became to be known as women's, women's lives. And real
0: Yeah, but you didn't you didn't see any of them in the higher ranks. Though. Well you did
1: see them being pilots and whatnot as as well, which was something you didn't really see in some of the Allied Air Forces. But yeah, yeah, get your point, the valid one. Would she have been in working for one of these government departments or whatever to kind of where she could waltz in and do what she does here?
0: Right. Um the fact that she is fairly high up in the um in the other timeline Nazi regime um, in what year is it, Nineteen 1960- sixty. 65 64, 64 65, 65. 65 and yeah. even then that's a little unusual um for a woman to be that high ranking um in the 60s yeah
2: uh, but we're talking about an alternate timeline though yeah. you don't know well how we, things are. Happened, we are then so. for her to show up in 1944 yeah, But she uh, had the documentation to um back herself up and let's up. be
1: honest the nazis were big on so yeah the nazis were big on documentation so yeah they yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and, um, um, and it, so it it brought up. <laughs> well, no, but it it brought up the question for me about how could this woman from this later time period, even though it is an alternate time period, how could she show up in, in nineteen forty four and be taken seriously?
2: Well, well, she has that bearing though of oh, yeah. being a uh, an in charge sort of person who doesn't huh? take any crap.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> and I totally buy her that way. Right. I mean, she mm. talks about how they firebombed, um, you know, Kenya, where yeah, where she talks they, about that in, in uh,
1: Thousand Sunny yes, Wings it, and the it, it. in yeah, the Ultimate timeline. Yeah, deal. she talks yeah. about how
0: yes, you know, the Nazis we firebombed this whole region and we went in and we rebuilt it, and and of course, you know, we recoil in horror. But to her, that's just the way they do things. Right. So she, yes. Yeah, so she, she, she sells that very yeah. well. She's very cold, very commanding. And y- you do fear her. Yeah.
1: I mean she walked, she, remember, she does not come in until that at the end of the first episode of Cold It's and that was something true. that I didn't remember until we s- I sat down to listen to it over yeah, the weekend. That's true. And she just she literally just walks in and completely takes charge from the mm-hmm. very and She's a
0: good presence from the beginning, yeah. isn't she? Now my so, question yeah. is is she the commander over that whole Colditz Castle, or is there someone superior to her, but she basically pulls the strings? Um,
1: well she—that wasn't
0: very clear to she me. Should,
1: there's the camp commandant who we never meet. Hauptmann Schaefer is, I guess, is the highest-ranking officer we meet as a character in the story. Yes, she kind of waltzes in with, she, from. She
0: outrank him.
1: It seems that way. She's. It's. I guess it's yeah. sort of like. Um, Trying to come up with a better with an American analogy, it would be like, uh, say, you come to an army, say a major general or something walks onto an army base where there's a colonel in charge, for example. And of mm-hmm. course, the out the general will outrank him, and you know you're expected to cater to him. You might question what he's yeah. doing, but you're expected to cater.
0: Because um, yeah, when she appears on the scene, they all seem to like immediately shift their focus to her. That. You know, they understand that she's running things. Well, she
1: showed I mean, she's made it all the way into the castle with her documentation and whatnot. They're going to have the impression yeah. she's somebody fairly high-ranking. It, it's or, a bit like... Yeah, because they don't give her a title. Right. She doesn't even anyway. have a first name in this. I, I didn't realize no. I listened to it again. She doesn't even... She's just Klein. She doesn't have a rank. She doesn't yeah. have a first name. She's just Klein. Sure,
0: because they call each other all by their last names, and yes, Ace, who's known as... Uh, McShane. Um, McShane, McShane, yeah. she's McShane Which was through this. a
1: part of what the audios were doing in this period and also they carried it on in the rapture as well. They were trying to make Ace grow up a bit because obviously Sophie Aldred yeah. is no longer a teenager. I don't mm-hmm. think she was a teenager when she was playing Ace to begin don't with. Don't they describe, what, doesn't one of the
2: guys explain her, uh, says oh, she can't be much older than 20? Something
1: like that, yeah. And wanting to do something different from what had been done in in The Virgin New Adventures, where I think even by Paul Cornell's and other writers' admissions, they basically destroyed the character without meaning to.
2: Yeah. So
1: she becomes McShane in this, and also in in The Rapture, which follows it chronologically on.
2: didn't like that.
1: Well, I liked The Rapture, but we'll we'll talk about that on another episode. Yeah, sure. Um, So, for me, it was interesting listening to it also because I'm a big Seventh Doctor and Ace fan, and the fact is, we haven't had, outside the early main range, we haven't had a whole lot of Seventh Doctor and Ace on their own. We've got them with Bernice, we've got them with Hex, That's true. we haven't really Mm -hmm. had them a whole lot on their own, and I think the Rapture actually might be the last time we have them on their own for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, it was interesting going back to the story and just hearing this sort of classic team-up, as it were
2: yeah and yeah sort
1: of the wonderful kind of chemistry between them in the scenes when they're together
2: mind you mind you, mind you matthew you say team up because they're not really together that much
1: that, that's what i was saying is they end up getting split up yeah. very very quickly yeah um and they end up spending the story apart and he gets drug off at one point she's trying to escape from from the castle and everything else and speaking of escaping from the castle Mm -hmm. one of the things i did like about this story being a history buff and somebody who does have an interest in the second world war there's a lot Mm -hmm. of i guess mythologizing that's kind of taken place in the last what 60 70 years about all of it i mean even when um i think steve lyons talks about you know in the 70s there was a huge hugely popular bbc series called It's that was set in the castle Yes, yes talks about all these escape attempts and whatnot Yes, which makes it sound like the people were getting out of the castle left, right, and center. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you something else, Matthew. And I think this is what
2: brought, there was a board game released. I don't know when, but it's called Colditz. And um, when uh, you hear um, I was going to say McShane, you hear Ace make the comment about um, about getting out in the staff car, and I think that's a, a direct thing to do with the the Colditz board
0: game where. Well that was one of the cadets when she's challenged on that, you know, how did you get that? She's, Well, I played the board game.
1: She says <laughs> that's that, that. Yeah. Steve Lines yeah. does mention that in the inside story that um that he used to play the board him and his brother used to play the board game as children. Yeah, I did too. My, I think my brother still got it. So yeah.
2: it's a very good board but game. But yeah, yeah, I think the
1: point is so, the point I was trying to make is that there's been you know, the board game's an example, the the T V series, there was a mini series done about ten years ago now with Sophia Miles, aka the girl in the fireplace. Um, in it as well, that there's been a lot of mythologizing that makes it sound like it wasn't that bad and that people were getting out left, right, and center. And Ace, and that's what Ace knows, is this sort of this mythology that's built up around it. Yes. And that scene towards the end of that very first episode where Gower's kind of like, no. This is where they send people who can't escape. Yes, there's been all these attempts and whatnot, and yes, all of this stuff has happened, but this is not an easy place to get out of. And it's sort of that wonderful kind of realization that history isn't quite as pretty as we sometimes think it is.
0: I think the story does set up uh, beautifully the depressing, the cold, the hopelessness of this place. Um, Once uh, once the doctor and Ace are pretty (laughs) much trapped there, uh, you really do wonder how and when are they ever going to find a way to get out. Uh, Because they are treated very, especially Ace, treated very badly there. And the British soldiers that are there, um, you know, it's kind of like they've learned to live. They've, you know, they've developed their own society within there, because even though they are always having something going on where they try to escape, somehow, you know, they never really expect to. But, you know, with Ace, though, I I can understand why she gets treated badly
2: with the way that she carries on. Oh, yeah, If she was a prisoner under my command and she comes out with their smart ass comments, I would like to bop her one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. the lip that she carries on.
1: (laughs) It actually goes back to what you were talking about, Mary, in relation to Klein. Here you have this figure from this uh, future time period who's coming back to this point. And I think the difference is is that Klein exudes authority and Mm -hmm. has the documentation and everything else ace is a prisoner and just cannot avoid shutting her, shooting off her mouth as she says so yeah i think it towards the end of part two at one point when the doctor's like what you're no use to me in solitary goes, you, you know how much fascists wind me up
0: yeah kind yeah, of thing. yeah.
1: speaking of that somebody we haven't mentioned to of course would go on to greater things in doctor <laughs> who uh, a certain young scottish bloke who's in this story playing a german who we I believe we've all heard of named David Tennant
0: well and I think mm. he really shows his acting chops in this mm. because I totally buy him, totally buy him as this ruthless hair trigger angry german I don't know if he's a, just a soldier or if he too has some kind of a high rank he's,
1: I think he's just a soldier, I think he's like the equivalent of a sergeant i think is, is what the doctor okay. calls him at one point
2: um yeah, they don't but, make a confession, yes. I listened to this, and when I first listened to this, I don't know, nearly two years ago, whenever it was, I did not know that David Tennant was in this. So I was listening to it, and I did not know he was in this. Yeah, same here. When I first <laughs> and it's only it was only just listening to it last time, and then I could pick it up. Oh, oh that's him, you know, because some of the just some of the way he's lines, he's, he, the way he spoke, he'd come out with the uh, sounding David Tennanty. But apart from that, he was as you say, Mary. He's displaying his acting jobs. Mm-hmm.
1: He, he's a nasty piece of work, and I think quite believable yeah. as this kind of, yeah. as you say, this ruthless, yeah. angry, hair-trigger, jumped-up guard is what he is.
0: Yeah, With, and the fact that Ace is so uncontainable. Yeah. She just keeps setting mm. him off. You know, it's kind of like they, they were made to go at each other. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
1: but he i mean his performance in this is quite good I, the, the only thing i'm going to fuss about in terms of performances in this are some of the german accents now i will say the first yes. time i listened to this i knew it was david tenet doing a german accent
0: no see mm-hmm. I, I didn't either because I, I don't have this the cds um i do the down yeah. so i don't have the cast in front of me so I totally same, yeah. thought this is a, is a totally different actor until I saw his name on the cast list. At
1: about the same yeah. time, I was listening to this. I was watching Sean Connery playing an Arab in a film from the mid '70s called The Next Man. <laughs> and it's about and they're each one's about as convincing as the uh, the other as a Scottish bloke playing some playing somebody completely yeah. different. I will say that I want to quote something from uh, Inside Story since we brought up the whole German accent thing. Um, there's a quote from Gary Russell here. American fans who are upset about the accents in Minuet in Hell might like to know I was given a long lecture by a terribly sweet German Doctor Who fan about how all the German accents in Colditz are crap, end quote. <laughs> well,
0: I'm sure that, it, that if you're German, you know, you do hear the problems. Just as yes. we're, as Americans, when we hear sad American accents, you know, we can pick it out.
2: Oh, I just remember because I listened to Dreamtime, recently and the same thing there with like the australian type accent
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh mate
2: so
1: but it's a good uh, Yeah, we're sort of nitpicking you know about sound design and accents and everything else but it's a good solid story and it's got a real uh as you said mary the atmosphere of this cold depressing Mm
0: -hmm. how are
1: you going to get out of this and then you throw the whole time travel paradox thing into the middle of it which doesn't actually come into Mm -hmm. it till the end of part two and mm-hmm. from there, you gradually learn how Klein got there in the Doctor's tardis. There's this alternate timeline she's come from, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: beautifully builds up to the part, the cliffhanger for part three, where you do seriously think for a minute that David Tennant's going to shoot Ace. Mm-hmm. And of course, the whole thing starts to kind of unravel from there in terms of you know how do you make it all work? And of course, it turns out that, as Ace puts it, I inadvertently, we've inadvertently walked into one of your grand master plans.
2: Yeah, mm. she st- mm. the
0: case starts out saying, "Oh, you don't know where we are." Well, this is great. At least yes, yeah. we're not going to be involved in one of your master plans. And then, yeah, then, then yeah, open your mouth oh, now. <laughs> so, well, it was a master plan. <laughs> but you know what I? You know
2: what I really enjoyed though was that mystery of who's this fine woman to start with, and you know he's talking about a, a TARDIS that she's taken, and I really love that kind of mystery kind of thing. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I actually thought to she came in her own TARDIS. Um, I thought yeah. she was going to end up either being a Time Lord or in, in some way, you know, working with the Master or some. in some way she got her hands on a TARDIS. It's
1: funny you should say that, Mary, because reading Steve Line's notes in here, the original idea was it was going to be the Master showing up. <laughs> and then when they, because the Master also shows up in another Seventh Doctor audio around this same time frame, so they abandoned that idea. And his own yeah. next idea was it would be a Time Lord from the Celestial Intervention Agency, oh. um, having de- with, the, with them having deliberately knocked the Doctor's TARDIS off course, having realized that this solution might work out better for some future scheme they've got going on, um, um. and then came up instead with the idea that they could do something a bit less um, fanish and do this time travel for well, like- thing.
2: I like what they came up with. Yeah, and
1: the Klein character is really interesting. Tracy Childs plays her wonderfully with this sense of aloofness and authority, but also ruthlessness as well.
0: Ruthless. And I like
2: like the way that she believes, you know, this is this is what I've grown up. This is the real thing. This is how history is supposed to go. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is all
1: setting up the thread for what that's going to be picked up much later, about the better part of a decade down the road. Because um, reading yeah. inside story, they were already thinking when they were writing this and listening to Tracy Child's performance in the studio that she was going to be a reoccurring character and they'd bring her back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the mm-hmm. audio came out, and we talk, talked about earlier about some of the reviews and stuff, and there's a quote from Steve Lines that I mentioned to you guys earlier along the lines of that um, Steve Lines said he was not happy with the way the story turned out and that the last thing he wanted to do was remind people of *Colditz* by writing a sequel to it.
0: That's, That's weird. <laughs> And so this stitches us into...
1: Into a thousand tiny wings. No, well, You're not a chicky, 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 chicky,
0: We
2: were lucky Elizabeth ended up here at the farm. I don't know who better we could have hoped for than a doctor. Except perhaps a good pastry chef.
0: You look like you might be a hummingbird. But I've never seen a hummingbird. Ah, the British Empire
1: at its glorious best. A trifle bitter there, Dr. Klein. Not bitter, just regretful. Regretting what exactly? Things that might have been. Now, look, my pretties, I'd love to stay and
2: play, but I have to get back, get back, get
1: back. Good afternoon, ladies. May I borrow a cup of sugar? Who is it?
0: It's a white man in a linen suit and he's got an umbrella.
1: <gasps> there. Oh, there's some, something trapped in the attic. Is it trapped or are we? forward almost a full decade both in real time and in story time on from Colditz is a thousand tiny wings which finally brought klein back and what's interesting is that in the meantime there have been some various ideas thrown about uh what they would do with klein steve lines at one point apparently proposed a story that was going to be set in 50 south america with klein and there was even an idea that klein would take over the forge the torchwood like organization introduced in several main range audios before torchwood even existed but eventually events conspired to finally bring Klein back, not in either one of those situations, but in 1950s Kenya during the Mau Mau uprising. So
0: yeah, I find that a very interesting setting.
1: <laughs> it's, an interesting, mm. it's a very interesting place to go, and it's a, the story is basically base under siege. Mm-hmm. But it's a very neat kind of inversion of base under siege. And Andy Lane talks about on the extras that the original idea was, they were going to do Doctor Who meets Thing from Another World, and they were going to set it in the Arctic. And then realized that Doctor Who had already done Seeds of Doom, which is the first two episodes of which is basically Doctor Who doing Thing from Another World in the Arctic. And, of course, there's John Carpenter's movie The Thing, which was about to be remade when they were doing this, and they were kind of like, okay, what can we do? What's the exact opposite of of the Arctic? Well, that would be somewhere hot. Let's do it in Africa. And started looking around for time periods. And came up with this because it made sense that Klein, you know, it's ten years on from Kolditz when we last saw her. So she's going to have been mm. doing something in the meantime. And of course, if you put Klein in here, you can you have basically an all-female cast in this, with the exception of mm. the Doctor and the uh, character playing uh, Joshua Zimbeki, who comes in late in the story. So it's an interesting kind cut- of... Oh, and uh, Abraham. And Abraham, who's this... Interesting- to a
2: lesser extent. Yes. <laughs> who's this non-verbal... <laughs> Yeah. Alex
1: Mallinson, who does the cover artwork and stuff, is apparently in here doing all kinds of groans and grunts and everything else. And does it pretty well, it has to be said. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> it's one of the things that does Animes. amuse me when I listen to the occasional fan audio is when they try. You can tell when you get a non actor in to do that kind of thing. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Yeah. Because
1: it surprisingly it takes so, a lot of thought to do a lot of grunting and groaning. Because it's very yeah. easy just to kind of sound like. Whoa. Instead of actually sounding like. You're actually doing it. But the time period setting is very interesting because, you know, you think about Klein comes from this alternative 1964-65 where the Nazis had this huge empire and whatnot, and they put her in the waning days of the British Empire to a certain extent.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, we left her in 1944 Germany. Right. and, Mm. And she's pretty much trapped in that time period, so she's pretty much uh, not a victim so much, but part of you know natural time in a in a time that is not.
2: Yeah. A, and and look where she ends up. Yeah, the
0: doctor <laughs> it's a says, bit weird. so. She follows the Nazis, uh, you know, the great Nazi uh, immigration to South. Yeah, America. to South America. Uh-huh. Mm. And then, mm. due to events, you know, happening in Africa, she mm. you know, gets her doctor training and ends up over in Africa.
1: Yeah, it's interesting mm. that she comes to. I guess uh, in, our, in our timeline in inverted commas, she ends up going back to solve a mystery from her own timeline that nobody ever solved. that ends up mm. basically about to be repe- about to be repeating itself. And it's interesting mm. that, it, you know, it's, as the saying goes, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah. But it sets up wonderfully the kind of the mystery, because not only do you have the external threat of the Mau Mau going on, yeah, and this sort of
2: which is the base under siege type. Base of
1: under siege, or, or, or you know, it? farmhouse under siege, as the case may be here. Mm. Um, mm. But also you have this mystery from her own timeline, this disease and whatnot um, yeah. that she's there to try and solve It doesn't have really the resources to solve. And when the story begins, she's not even 100% sure, I think, that she's even going to encounter it. And that ends up circumstances end up lining up. And into the middle of this... Drops back in. That's you know the strange little man with the umbrella and the white linen suit, mm. who just kind
2: of. I like how they end up both together in the same. Area.
1: See, and the the question is how much of a coincidence that is. The interesting thing for me is yeah. that the white linen suit description is, um, the Seventh Doctor's costume from about midway through the Virgin New Adventures, when the Doctor was being manipulative and conniving, and going off mm. and manipulating events, playing these grand mm. chess games with human lives and the fate of the universe at stake. And that's the doctor who walks in here, quite literally.
0: Well I, I really enjoyed how this episode begins. It begins very pastoral. All these ladies, you know, that are living in a farmhouse and they talk they talk about, you know, the husbands are away being a part of the uh, you know the Mau Mau uprising, um, and all and, and initially seems like a very lovely what do I want to yeah, say? An in- invasion mean, of birds or butterflies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it turns out, you know, it, it 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 just kind of soothes you along until then when you yeah. just, that the in, that the invasion of these little feathered creatures is anything but yeah. uh, nine. <laughs> Um So you think that's the threat? Yeah. Um,
2: Which character was the one that married
0: the German? Was that,
1: that uh, uh, the Sylvia character no. played by Anne Bell?
0: Right, there's this, this and that little the undertone, you know, that, that she, that her husband is really German, yeah. kind of lets you wonder how many of these Nazis, you know, and or Germans in general, found their way to other cultures to hide. Yeah. But, <laughs> she seemed like a real nasty piece of work, doesn't she? Yeah,
1: like... it's interesting on the extras they interview and Bell, the actress who plays her, and she's like, you know, she's a product of yeah. the time in which she's created. And that's actually, I think, true of all of the characters in this, really. That they're sure. all the products of the time in which they're created. Even you know, even though they're sympathetic, a lot of them, they have yeah. views that I think you know that, uh, as Ann Bell puts it, they're dated, and some of them are outright abhorrent at times.
0: Yeah, some, yeah, because this is British Empire time. Yeah,
1: this is the waning yeah. days of the empire, and it's. I, I think I think it's is it Lucy who actually has the line where she comes out and says, you know, if they wanted us to treat them better, why didn't they just ask and say so?
2: <laughs> yeah. thing, which
1: is incredibly yeah. naive
2: <laughs> yes but you can yeah.
1: understand i mean these are upper class semi-aristocratic all
2: uh oh, because they make
1: they make various
2: things about um ah oh, we had to cut back the jungle again and it said and, and the dog says you did it yourself oh no we had servants to do that
1: how tiring
2: for yeah. you Yeah, <laughs> and she'd make it out like it was such an effort to cut back the jungle because he was going back whereas no she gets the, the bloody servants to do it you know yeah. well, and doctor um,
0: makes the observation that uh, oh you know you're so powerful but uh, you know you can't even do the simplest of tasks without uh, servants yeah, yeah. yeah. You. yeah.
1: as he said the uh, is it the paradox of the english upper class you know who cannot do, who cannot do anything without help, but still think themselves superior? I think is, is along those lines. Yeah,
0: yeah that's his
1: observation
0: exactly. It's this is
1: kind of wonderful sort of take on the kind of the merchant ivory thing. The merchant ivory does mainly twenties and thirties, but it's kind of touching a lot on the sort of the end of British imperialism, which is things like the Mau Mau uprising and the various revolutions and independences in Africa and the other colonies, India, a, a decade before this, all kind of symbolizes. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting choice of time period, to say the least, as you were saying, Mary.
0: And so it's a great surprise in this pastoral setting with what begins to be an undercurrent of threat with these feathered creatures um, that this doctor walks in, um, Elizabeth Klein, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> this is where she ended up. And at, t- at, at first she seems very sympathetic. She seems very supportive because um, it's just mm-hmm. among these women. Um, And you have no idea what ulterior motives she has until the doctor walks in. And it begins to be uh, almost a dual, uh, almost a two-hander between her and the doctor.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: I think the doctor is drawn as much by the existence of this um, alien creature or two alien creatures, actually. Uh, Of course, I don't know the, the the feathered creature. Yeah, that is alien. Yeah, they
1: are aliens, and they've had yeah. brought yeah. Abraham from them, and Abraham has apparently escaped from them.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah Abraham and the and the uh, other creature are alien. And usually, when alien creatures show up, that's when the doctor shows up too. So I think it's a, a just as much a surprise to him to find Elizabeth Klein in this setting. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's one of those things. I can, you know, there's the current that's going to run not just through this story, but through the other two is. You know, how much of this is a coincidence that he has shown up here and that events are going to go the way they are? Because mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about the Seventh Doctor here. I mean, as I said, this is the guy who plays chess games, literally, with the fate of the universe at stake.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's kind of hard to do that for. But the thing that really stands out for me is the chemistry between Sylvester McCoy and Tracy Child and their characters.
0: Yes. Yes. And, it's, <laughs> and it becomes almost a two-hander between them it is is not a problem at all yeah.
1: and actually it just be, it played out beautifully in that and uh, you know it's one of those things i think that's perhaps best illustrated uh, when the joshua character shows up claiming to be freeing fleeing excuse me from the mau mau
0: mm. and the doctor's
1: like well let's give mm. him the benefit of that the, the doubt and klein is completely distrustful and he's been you know his mm-hmm. attitude is look, have faith in people and she's like well how many times have you been disappointed by that
0: oh and yeah, yeah in a
1: way they both end up being right
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, both right mm-hmm. and
1: wrong to a certain extent and you know you also have the Sylvia character who ends up finding her despite the views that she expounds ends up finding her humanity by the end of the, uh, end of the story right through the event she goes through and you know the interesting thing by the end of it as well is that at one point the Doctor literally has the power of life and death over Klein he can yeah, solve she... the problem that he's created this anomaly as he puts it to Ace at the end of culpits. Um, he can solve it by just, you know, letting events go a certain way, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a kind of a fascinating story to watch it what the way it plays out and sort of and the doctor and Watch. And, well, listen to how it plays out. <laughs> 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 Touche, Robert. Touche. And
0: we are reintroduced to in spite of this lovely pastoral setting that Elizabeth Klein is living in, her her absolute Nazi ruthlessness uh, yeah. because this is the story in which she talks about how um, in her timeline in which the Nazis did win the war uh, the way they cured these um, what's, sub-Sahara um, problems was to just firebomb whole <laughs> villages and areas b- and send in people to build buildings and make cities. It sounds, sounds like the brigadier, uh,
2: his way of doing things, blowing everything up. <laughs>
1: yeah, does that to aliens, yeah, but he doesn't person. do it to his fellow human beings, which is what they do. And, right. it, no, and it's 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 interesting that the that the really Klein's Nazi attitudes are really brought out by the Sylvia O'Donnell character, really. And yeah, they yeah, both sort definitely. of bring out the worst in each other. And I mm-hmm, think it's yeah. in the weird way that, in to sort of counterpoint that, that the Doctor actually brings out the best in Klein in a way. Mm-hmm. And of course, in that, by Klein challenging him, the doctor is forced to be a better person as well. So right. it makes, it makes for interesting listening. And the final uh, about ten fifteen minutes of it, that last episode, where they're mm-hmm. forced to team up together to deal with this alien threat, right. is a really interesting listen. And then just when you think that maybe Klein's kind of gone over, she then turns around and basically says the ends justify the means. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's
0: not totally converted yet
1: <laughs> oh and of course the, the way the story ends the doctor takes this really bold step of saying you know you're an anomaly i have to keep an eye on you i can't risk leaving you here come with me and it
0: yeah and even she is startled at that because she says you're going to put me <laughs> in uh your conveyance with all these you know advanced uh, technologies and that you trust
2: me uh you know you know, something that I found with this also is—it's a, it's a bit funny. I didn't know whether it had any significance, but the Doctor—you uh, may know Matthew—but you know, he makes a uh, reference to "I'm travelling by myself at the with, by myself at the moment." He, he says that a few times. But is there any significance
1: with that? There are some gaps in the continuity in Big Finish's own continuity, and also in the Virgin New Adventure continuity, where the Doctor is alone traveling for a bit and picks up companions mm. we know that that's to a certain extent how he meets the rain creepy character introduced in the lost stories also you remember uh, frozen time for example the doctor's on his own there so it's kind yes, of a yeah. question of it and so one of those things trying to figure out where this is in the timeline is interesting because as i said the white linen suit uh is not his tv mm. costume either one of his tv costumes but it's the costume from the virgin new adventures where for a point, where mm. for a brief point, he was traveling on his own. So it's mm. interesting the kind of the way that um, it ties back into things. And of course, we also get a reference back to De the Flores, the, vil- the Nazi villain from Silver Nemesis. As yes, well. yes,
2: yeah, yeah. I forgot about mentioning that. that. Um,
1: so it's sort of it's interesting what the story kind of does. And of course, trying to you know there are websites dedicated to placing this stuff
2: in oh, its yes, proper yeah. place
1: in the timeline. So I'm assuming people love to have things ordered down there. Yes. <laughs> So we know Ace isn't there anymore, and I'm guessing, you know, from the costume, it's somewhere maybe in the middle of his life. And as I said, I can't shake off the feeling that this, the seemingly chance encounter, is anything but a chance encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. the doctor has—that's mm-hmm. is... often the case for the McCoy doctor, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's something about his doctor about unfinished business.
2: Yes, that's true. Yeah.
1: Um, or maybe this is even part of his bigger fight against people like Fenric and whatnot um mm. who are going around trying to change the timeline and whatnot so who knows mm. but it's mm. it's a really but overall i, I would say that, you know the story is really effective it's a wonderfully done in version of the base under siege formula
0: yeah
2: yeah what i enjoyed about it also was that it was like it's bitchy and historical yeah which uh well you could say the same thing with uh coldest but it was more less of the um modern type things yeah. involved in those. They're it? both good. So, both, yeah, yeah, both
1: this and Colditz are good. Well, I guess pseudo-historical would be the kind of the um, formula you
0: put yeah. in. Yeah, and yeah. if you to call these historicals, then you know, I, who traditionally don't care for historicals, like yeah. them. And I think because these are self-contained stories within a time time and place as opposed to the typical historical, which brings in your major yes, and, yeah. and huge events that nobody can do anything about. Right, those historicals I do not care for. Yeah,
1: well, the yeah. new series has pioneered in uh, the whole is it the the subgenre and the pseudo historical the celebrity um, historical figure episode. Mm-hmm. You know, Shakespeare, Agatha yeah. Christie, Charles yeah. Dickens, Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. Vincent it's Van Gogh. Van Gogh. You know, we we could sit here and keep going on. Yeah. Um, Waters of Mars, interestingly, technically falls into that <laughs> as well because of the Adelaide Brooke character apparently being so important to future human history. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's nice. Uh. I mean, well, the stakes are are big in is It's history as we know it. Here, it's this terrible disease apparently. Mm-hmm.
2: What kind of steak?
1: You know. Oh, well, uh, I prefer mine medium. Yeah. T-bone steak. Well, I prefer mine sirloin and medium, Robert. <laughs> yeah um, mine well done thank you so the thing events have been set up and of course we'll be talking about Klein's next two stories in our next episode where we'll be looking at survival of the fittest which includes a very interesting one off story called Klein's story and the mm-hmm. architects of history which will round out the Klein story arc for the time being but we'll talk about that in our next episode in the meantime, we welcome uh, you, the listener's, thoughts on this via either our Facebook group, Stories from the Vortex, or uh, in feedback, written or audio. You can send that in at feedback.vortex at yahoo.com. So I think that about wraps things up for this episode, unless somebody's got something else they want to Can I just up. say something with that? I was going to say, with
2: with feedback, it'd be nice to have some feedback, not only of you know the things that we've just reviewed or talked about, but also, what you'd like us to talk about or um, review, anything like that? Any suggestions uh, or any suggestions about how we tackle things? Anything you'd like to hear? So, yes.
1: Yeah. suggestions.
2: Just so if I could yeah, add that. suggestions
1: on. on what you'd like to, like to hear from us. Um, anything you've heard recently you'd like us to tackle? Are we do? Are we being too spoilery? Are we not being spoilery enough?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm sure that would settle an ongoing debate between me and Mary at the very least. (laughs) (laughs) So please, yes, please send in your thoughts. Yeah,
0: I do wonder sometimes if people want to hear us relay some brief part of the story or, you know, because just talking about the different elements, is that enough? Uh, Is it too little? Should we
1: talk more about the actual plot and the story itself? Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm wondering. So please do send in mm. your thoughts. You know, we welcome we welcome anything. You know, MP3 written. Please don't send us a small novel, yeah. but you, you know, we welcome written <laughs> feedback.
2: And you, yeah, I mean, you could send that to the as an email, or you can message on Facebook. That you can post it
1: on our Facebook, or you can even Facebook make um, yep. comments on our website. Stories from yeah, the Vortex yep. Interestingly enough, let me bring that up. Actually, we did have a comment on one of our episodes recently via the website. Um, This is from a person identified (laughs) on uh, Blogspot, anyway, as Talifer, who commented on our uh, 28th episode, which was the Doctor Who Abound episode where we looked at Full Fathom 5 and Exile. And, Mary, I think you're going to like this. Oh? As someone who counts such comedies as One Doctor, Scorchies, and Wrong Doctors amongst his favorites, I thoroughly enjoyed the (laughs) relentless parody of Exile. I also had to laugh along with all the belching and barfing, which corresponds with my appreciation of things like the Sabine <laughs> oh, So congratulations, yeah. you are not the only person who likes exile.
0: <laughs> okay. There's two of us in the world.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, man. So I think that'll... I did, not, I did
0: not like Scorchies. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, 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 I still listen to that. I bought it as part of the Christmas sale, and I haven't heard it yet, yeah. so...
0: I did, but too. I did like one
1: doctor and uh, the wrong doctor. So haven't heard yeah, of that. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's yes. good. You can listen to that.
2: And bang, bang, a boom. Uh, let's
1: not start a boom. Oh, I love bang, bang, the pirates, oh, pirates, and bang, bang, a boom.
0: <laughs> I uh, did not care for the
1: pirates. Yeah. Well, I actually kind of like pirates. This is what we should do. We should yeah, pick some of these controversial Marbite ones and do an episode about them. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> so <laughs> that's an back idea. That is a jet There you go. Once again, suggestions you can send. Because we love to argue. Yes, we love to argue. And once again, in case of (laughs) suggestions, people can send in. So until next time, um, I guess that's goodbye from me. (laughs) Goodbye from me.
2: And goodbye from him. And him.
1: So long, and thanks for all the fish. Take care.